0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Om, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class.
1: There are no news on the radio, <laughs> so how did he hear what happened? That's number one. And number two, thinking about by Vakesh Laharoget Moshe. So, was he asking to kill Moshe by himself or have somebody else do it? What does it mean that he asked? If he wanted to kill Moshe, then he would have the sword and kill him. But Vayevakesh, maybe he asked somebody else or hand Moshe over to somebody to kill him. So right. he was...
2: Great, great questions. But I'm just going to pause one second because Norm, welcome Norm Gar, who's our our, um, our podcast co-master. At Temple of a thumb. I tried to record on Facebook, but it was not working several times I did it. So I am recording it on my computer. But I record. I start recording it too late, so I can I can now restart the concept, saying Hi, everyone. This is the Rashi class. We're on chapter two of the book of Shemot, verse fifteen. But it would not go to Facebook today. Good. So um, just to linger on the two things that Barrett said. Um, um, we are told that Pharaoh learns what happened, but we have no clue how he figured it out. Rashi will definitely address that question in his own way. Um, and you're focusing more on, on that question of Vayavakesh. What does it mean for Amelech Levakesh? And Rashi is going to have his own interesting answer to that. Good. Diane, Larry, Rick, and Ilan, more questions. Ilan and I, who are in very good moods today. Hammevin, <laughs> Yavin. So, oh, you went first? Yeah. Oh.
0: So, the um Moshe um, immediately made me think about the scene that takes place a little bit further on with Sipora and Moshe and Moshe's re- they're returning to Egypt and God Vakesh uh, killed Moshe. Mm. Kind of a bad word.
2: Yeah, let's let's look at that. That's a that's a good reference. Um that that is
0: um Verse twenty-five. What is the chapter. chapter six? I think. No, that's not right. Chapter oh, four. four. Four.
2: Sorry. So the scene to which Diane is referring is a crazy scene that only lasts two verses, and we're going to spend a long time on that when we get there. So you want to page ahead to chapter four, verse twenty-four. Four. Right. Um, It's page Nun Aleph in our books. They're going back um, to Egypt, Sipora and Moshe and Child. They were at the Hilton. They were on the way in a lodging. God meets him, him being Moshe. Right? Uh, similar phrasing. So instead of laharog, which is the phrase that we have, to kill, here it's lahamit, right? So those mean the same thing, but they're different words. Lahamit means to make dead. It's the he feel of dead, to make someone dead. Laharog is just to murder, right? And God requests to kill Moshe, right? Crazy, crazy little scene, Um, and we'll linger on it. But what you're pointing out, I I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, is that not only is there a laharog in the mouth, uh, or, or associated with a pharaoh, there's, sorry, a levakesh associated with a pharaoh, but there's a levakesh associated with a god. So what does it mean for a pharaoh and a god? Levakesh, making a request, right? Good. Uh, so so it might be that the best way of handling that in English is the way that, um, uh, it, either way that Norm read or misread the translation, he sought, he, he, he intended to, or he thought, he, he, that, 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 he had in his mind to. Um, Everett Fox translates the verse, um, Pharaoh heard of this matter and sought, sought to kill Moshe, which worked because Levakesh does mean to seek out, right? And sought here means to seek out in the sense of intending. But Moshe fled from Pharaoh's face and settled in the land of Midian. He sat down by a well. Notice, by the way, that Everett Fox translates the two consecutive verbs that are the same with different English words. And that we're going, to, we're going to pick up and we'll get to Rashi. He settled in the land of Midian by Yeshev, and he sat down by a well by Yeshev. Same exact word. Uncleus um, translates the exact same word in Aramaic by Yetiv. And we're going to figure out how those two things might be different. Great. Thank you for that, Diane. Mary, um, yeah. two for one.
3: Well, first of all, I'm blown away by my wife. Um, how she found that, I don't know but I'm always blown away by my wife. Um, you've all gone over all, almost all the things that I wanted to say, including the Vayeshev, which is translated in different ways, including the fact that it's, it's, and he, uh, uh, the Pharaoh Levakesh, um, he, he requests, why wasn't it commanded? So I'll ask the question, why didn't Pharaoh command as opposed to request? Um, I want to just point out the sparseness of the whole story. We've gone in four verses, five verses, I guess, from 11 to 15, from Moses seeing the struggle between two Jews, intervening uh, between, between an Egyptian and a Jew, uh, killing the Egyptian, seeing the struggle between two Jews, and now um, this scene. But I do want to do one thing originally no one's done. I want to connect verse 14, the end of verse 14, where Moshe vayomar, Moses says, I'm not going to stop. So the devar is
0: the
3: devar. That's Good. connected. And Moses says, it's known. However it's known, which we talked about last time, must be the way that Pharaoh Pharaoh has actually heard it. So the knowing and the hearing have to also be connected.
2: Yeah, great. So I, I do think that 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 there's... That we're supposed to, as a reader, connect those two davar's. Even so, the the exact definition of what that devar is remains ambiguous. But they're supposed to be the same davar. Um, and yes, the, that 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 Moshe's rumination to himself: it, this must be known. His fear of how it became known must be the way that Pharaoh knows, although Rashi is going to give a slightly different answer. And Moshe's fear about how it was known, or 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 the evidence that it was known to Moshe, is that people are talking about it, right? Um, people people are talking about it because he happens to meet two Jews who happen to at least one of them already knows the story. Okay, uh, great. Um, just uh, we'll linger for one second. If you look at the uh, the Aramaic uh, of Uncles, he. He had a choice in translating vayavakesh in Aramaic in a way that either um, strengthens or weakens this notion of a request, because because vayavakesh can be seek, um, not only ask. He goes the direction of ask, request. He translates vayavakesh as uba'e, bet yud in Aramaic means to ask to need, to to, to, to to make a request of something. It's used in, the, in Talmud all the time to say that one rabbi asked of another, right? And it, and it has to do with needing something you don't have, information or a thing. So it's interesting that he um, translates that verb in a way that suggests that, yes, the pharaoh had to ask for this to be done rather than command it. Uh, Rick, Elon, Matt, Barrett, Marshall, Stevie, Barbara, eventually we will get to Arashi, maybe. Rick.
4: Where are you, DJ? Sorry. I didn't unmute. You got me? Got you. Okay. It's an angel Midrash. Um, Rabbi Janai asked the question, if you want a question. Um, This is from Midrash Rabbah Exodus chapter 1 verse, uh, or 131, entry 31, I guess. And Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. So said Rabbi Janai, is it possible for a man to escape from a king? No. But when they seized Moses and condemned him to be beheaded, an angel from heaven descended in the form of Moses. And while they seized the angel, meanwhile, Moses escaped. Uh, sorry. Hold on. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, good. Are We still going? Hello? Hello?
2: Yes. Yeah, sorry. Just someone was calling in on my FaceTime, so I muted myself for a second, so it didn't overwhelm me. Okay. Keep
4: going. So th- that was it. That... Um, that an angel came down and they did a uh, mission impossible kind of disguise on the angel. So the Pharaoh's uh, troops captured Moses and uh, uh, captured the angel. And then the Moses, uh, Moses got away. So
2: that's it. Thank you, Rick. That does add add, add a nice angelic layer to it. Elon first mazel tov second. What's your question? Thank you and and
5: I want to uh, just tell you how much I like this class because I'm postponing my baseball marathon by half an hour to be here <laughs> so we have we have we have thirteen hours of baseball in front of us um but anyway the the phrase the only that three
2: I of to those hours about, matter only three <laughs> of those hours matter
5: the phrase that I want to talk about is uh faro okay. so so it could have read uh, by Moshe. Paro or Memtrian but it but it says specifically and To me that phrase is very personal. It's it's not it's mm. it's not just that he he left Egypt or left Pharaoh as the ruler. He left from his face, right? And and maybe mm. and, and to me that when you talk about being in somebody's face, that's that's a mm. much more personal thing and it may give us some insight as as to how uh, how Pharaoh reacts subsequently
2: that's wonderful, Ilan, Particularly because in in our scene, he's actually not yet in the face of Pharaoh, but he's going to be. Right. So your question actually helps us read that phrase as a bit of a premonition. Th- there's going to be so many moments where he's actually Paro and then leaves his presence and comes back in. Here he's not yet. So here here the the, the meaning clearly is quote unquote just he 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 fled away, but the mipnei. Almost uh, it's, a, it's presaging the intimacy that they're going, the, the the conflictual intimacy they're going to share. Interestingly, here, whereas Uncleus doubled down on by, on this on the um, the specificity of Vayavakesh, meaning really to ask, here he translates mipnei more blandly. He doesn't turn mipnei into the Aramaic from the face of. He just turns uh, mipnei in Aramaic to min kadam, like. He, he 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 left from from uh, from from before Pharaoh. I mean, he just he went away. So he doesn't doesn't carry over the panim, the face part of it, into the Aramaic. But but uh, I really love that I love that point and that and highlighting that face to face quality of their not yet encounter. Great, uh, Matt. Sorry, Matt. You. I unmuted you right when you unmuted yourself, so you have to unmute yourself again. Okay, are we there? Yes, we're there.
6: Okay, so about um, the evocation, made me think of, I can't remember where this is from, but um, the phrase, will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest? Is that from the Lion in Winter or something? But I see basically, an autocratic king doesn't need really to order the death of anybody you can just think about it and suggest it and the same applies to God in that uh, incident that uh, Diane uh, Diane mentioned the two chapters on certainly God doesn't need to order the angel to do it 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 just sort of happens and he he suggests it and it happens right and I want to put in a plug for my new horror movie that's going to appear on streaming online called bridegroom of blood
2: (laughs) (laughs) you'll have to wait a few more chapters of that one um (laughs) Right, Matt. And that's the thing. So it either leaves the reader with really one or two main options here. One, levakesh can mean something else besides request. Or we've got to figure out the circumstance under which it might make sense for a pharaoh to have to make a request. And the particular midrash that Rashi calls to give the answer is, is wonderful. Fanciful, but wonderful. But But he's responding to that very tension, that verb. Okay. We're breaking records here for for hands up for questions that have need to be asked in the verse. Let me first go to those who are on their first round of questions for this verse: Stevie, Barbara, Susan, Barry, Joel. Okay, um, so I meant
7: to lower my hand because I was mostly going to say what Larry already said, but the other thing I wanted to say was uh, vacation. Just you know, because of the uh, leaning, what it reminded me of was McGilla that Haman right. right? By Vikeshaman hey at Yodim, that he was that he instead of just dealing with Mordechai, he planned or sought or something to deal with all the Jews. Um yeah. and so I guess it, it could involve sort of a, an internal action instead of a, a public action at the moment, but certainly um like a a serious decision being made. Um
2: great. Um sir, and kavod uh, for like a, a laner question. Sometimes when you're when you're a laner, as Stevie is, you you make word associations because phrases are just in your mind more because you've spent so many hours thinking about them and memorizing them. So right. So Haman's stance vis-a-vis the Jews is a bakasha. There, it actually might have been more of a bakasha because he has to make the request of the king, right? So, but not in that verse. That like, but- yeah. Uh correct. Correct. Not in that specific verse. Um great. Barbara. All right, we can hear you. Uh,
3: I, I'm I'm um it, it's a little weird to me in this phrase at the end. He
7: dwelt he which mean he lived in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. I I, to, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do when you're living in a land, but to point out that he dwelt by a that he sat down by a well is bizarre to me.
2: Great, I'm so glad you asked that question because we we translated it because the words are easy, but we didn't yet linger on that. Why did he sit by well? You're asking a meta question. Why is it Why is it relevant to us that he sat by well? Right. Those yeah. are two different questions. Why did he know yeah. there? But why is it significant? It might be percolating in some people's minds as we think about the book of Rashid, why it might've been significant that um, the first place that Moshe goes is to a well. And that's, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm giving a little bit of a teaser to Rashi's answer, right? Um, correct, uh, not- Well, well. I, I,
7: actually, if he dwelt there, it sounds like he was there for a while. I mean, he fled yeah. from Pharaoh and then he was there for a while and then he suddenly sat down at a well.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. and great comment by Diane and Larry. That it's not I'll bear by a well, but the well, so what's yeah, the, right. the of the well great, great, all right um susan Barry Joel, uh and then maybe we'll we'll pause for a bit and actually read some of the rashi susan
1: i I just want to go back to Ilan's comment, I want to thank him for that um um and my phone's ringing, oh god um. um because the Mibne Pharaoh is—it's also, I mean, if we're to believe the Prince of Egypt, <laughs> the movie, he, he was like a son in the house. It wasn't—it it wasn't just that he left from space, but he's, he he really did kind of, um, you know, Pharaoh may have experienced it like a father figure, like he he, um, he left his his uh, family unit. Hmm.
2: Great. So that the intimacy is both kind of a premonition of the interaction the two of them are going to have later on, but it also suggests that, right, at this point, he's a Ben Bayat in that house, right? He's, 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 he's the scion or he's an adopted son or, adopted son or something. Wonderful. Uh, Joel.
7: I, just, I want to talk about the, the word uh, milifne. And since you went to all the trouble of scheduling it, so we have this exact verse the first week after Yom Kippur. I just want to point out that it's the same word that uh, Yonah, Barach mipnei Hashem.
2: Great, very good. Right, so So, good planning. And congratulations. Well, you know, listen, you got to give me some credit, Joel. Um, The 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 fleeing from the face of is the is the exact phrase. It is indeed the exact phrase that that it describes Jonah's wanting to you know get out of the job of being a prophet. Whereas, interestingly, here, and just thinking about this in real time, it's Moshe's fleeing from Pharaoh that sends him on the journey of being a prophet, right? Um, so they're actually, they're, they're, it's the same phrase, but in the opposite prophetic directions. Barry.
7: So I'm also um, spurred on by Ilan's uh, pointing out Mipne, and now uh, a lot of this is coming clear to me. Um, we, Moshe is going through uh, a, a a death experience. Uh, he, he He has killed the Egyptian. He's found out he's killed the Egyptian. He fears for his life. He is fleeing to a new identity. He's 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 fleeing from what he was and to to become who he is. There, it's 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 a a meta transition that uh, he must go through. Um, Jonah similarly had to go through a. When he goes down to sleep in in, in the hold, uh, is through a, a near-death experience becomes transformed in, through the next process. Moshe is going through a, a a death
2: through the next space of his life experience. That's the main thing. Thank you, Barry. Um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to uh, just skip the next two hands for a second. Go back to Norm and start reading the Rashi. I'm going to leave the screen for a second because in the half an hour of this class has begun this. Office has become stifling. I just need to turn on the air conditioning because it's I'm sweating bullets here. But uh, Norm, I can hear you. But Norm, please start reading on Vaishma uh, Paro. Um, Vaishma
6: Paro, uh, Hain Hilshinu Alav.
2: How um, to translate that?
6: We translate that, and Pharaoh heard it. Um, they denounced him, or they slandered him. They told about him, and uh, I would add that uh, uh, Zilberman. Uh, adds that the they is dasan and adiro.
0: and that 's also in this uh, in the safari
6: and while you 're sitting down, I will add that the reason he goes to the well is that when you want to meet somebody, you go where the single people are to
2: be found <laughs> okay, so we 'll get back to that later. Rashi um very tersely answers the question of that we, that we that we that we raised how did he know? Hey, they um, they snitched right. They lahalsh uh, lahalshin is to be a informer, and it's actually a a, a loaded term in um, in Jewish tradition. I think we mentioned this at least one of the last times we spoke about this. That is the 19th blessing of the shemona esrei. It's it's the blessing that turns the shemona esrei into a chasrei. 18 blessings into 19. La malsh nimot Do not give informers any any kind of hope that what they're going to do is going to be rewarded. Um, here it might just be a plain use of the verb that they told, um, they, they tattled Amosha. My question for you is, not who, who do you think the Haim is, who do you think Rashi thinks the Haim is, such that Rashi doesn't have to identify the Haim. Who's the they? Anyone can answer that. Do you Atan remember Tan who and Rashi is? and Aviram, right? Atan so Ar- Rashi Ar- had a, a, associated the, the, the two men who were scuffling with each other, with whom Moshe has this interaction as Datan B'Abiram, the same people who are going to be part of Korak's rebellion later on. And Rashi assumes that we read Rashi, right? Slightly self referential. So when he says Haim, he assumes that we remember um, that the Haim is Datan which would be easier to remember if we just were reading it more quickly, because it's only a few verses ago. So it's pretty clear. And if you look at at uh, at least an hour, um version footnote 67 resolves that for us that abiram based on the same tankuma text that rashi quoted earlier okay um notice also that in rashi doing one thing here explicitly and i think one thing here subtly the explicit thing is answering the question as to how pharaoh knew and the answer is that these two guys told the tale the subtle thing is he's reinforcing again that Moshe is recognizing that amongst the Israelites there are malshinim, there are informers, there are there are people who are violating the principle of, of not doing that very thing and getting your own fellow in trouble, and once again setting the, the the tone for a conflictual relationship between Moshe and the very people he's going to redeem from slavery. Good. So that's that on by on by Paro. Um, let's read one more Rashi, and then we'll. Uh, pause to see if there are any more questions or comments. Vayvakish uh, l'harug and Moshe.
6: Vayvakish l'harug es Moshe. Misori l'kustig nor vohornu velol shelta v'acharev. And he sought to slay Moses. He handed him over to the executioners to slay him, but the sword proved powerless against him. It is to this that Moshe referred when he said, and he delivered me
2: from Pharaoh's sword. Okay, so I'm going to share a screen with you for a second. So we see how, how um, um, Jastro translates Kostinar. Um, I, I saw it in my, um, trying to figure out what might be the the, um, uh, the linguistic connection. It might be from the word question. You see, the first thing he says is a questionarius, but it's understood a Kostinar was a torturer or an executioner. So you know how um, um, you know, like an interrogation. That word can be both to ask something just interrogatively, but also can mean to interrogate for the purpose of of, of getting information out. And you know, torture. Sometimes it can it can be a um, a, uh, a euphemism for torture. So this word "custinar" um, is probably related to that etymologically. That it, it's from the word from which we get "question," but it meant to. Yeah, really. to, question, to, question, to get a confession out of in order to execute, right? So that's, um, I think, um, anything else he says in there? Yeah, he says. Yeah, so then he gives a, a, a bunch of different examples. But that's that word, kustinar, okay? So think he, specific,
6: that. he specifically says the sword rebounded from Moshe's
2: neck against that of his executioner, and the executioner was killed. Right, so he gives us, we, we used to call that a jastro jackpot when you're looking up a word <laughs> in jastro, and the Example that Jastrow uses is either the exact text or a similar text that you're reading. It's not the exact text here. That that source comes from Yerushalmi Brachot, which is the Palestinian Talmud, which is not the specific source that's being quoted here. But as you know, many midrashim appear in many different places. Okay, so going back to the Rashi, what does it mean? This is now answering the question: How it can be that a Pharaoh would need to ask, right, as opposed to command? So what's his answer? That that he he had. He had passed him over to the executioner. So we, we assume that the, that, the, um, that the he who had passed him over is Pharaoh. The him is Moshe. He had passed Moshe, meaning in the verse, we have this notion that Moshe is nervous The Pharaoh found out and flees. In the Midrash, not only was it found out, he was arrested. He was indicted. He was tried. He was sentenced to his sentence. He had been passed over to the questioner, to the executioner, to actually kill him. And uh, there's some people who read this to be either kind of miraculously or by happenstance. Either, right, it's, a, it's like a moment where Abraham's hand is over Yitzchak and an angel interrupts him, and, you know, the executioner is about to decapitate Moshe, uh, God forbid, and it hasn't happened yet. Or the timing is that he hadn't gotten to the exact act, Right. And so how is this a resolution to the question of Vayamakeshlaharoget Moshe? Because all of this is not just an expansive story. Rashi trying to answer the question. You reader are wondering how it can be that a pharaoh would have to ask or, or that the verb to ask makes sense in this context. How is what he's saying here an answer to that? Anyone? It's in order. Any thoughts? Give okay. a thought, unmute and share it.
7: Oh, I think you said it already. He uh, he had Moshe. Uh, he, he, he was asking uh, his executioner to take over.
2: Right. So the, the Midrash that Rashi is quoting is reading the Bakasha, not as permission, because a, um, a king command? does not do that. But basically, it's reading the, the Pharaoh is saying, now, nah. right? Like, uh, the, the sentence is over. He's in your hands. By, and, and, I, and, and I request that it happen this moment. This moment. Easier sell than saying that he would have had to command it, because obviously he commanded it, but he's specifically asking it happens now. That's how close, according to Midrash, Moshe came to being killed. That's how close, just notice all the implications, that none of this redemption ever happens. The knife was above his neck. This Midrash imagines Moshe in a Yitzhakian position on the altar about to be executed, and it doesn't happen. It's fascinating, right? Um, Barry, yes, please.
7: Yeah. So similarly, as we can posit, uh, Yitzhak having gone through some major mental psychological change at that moment, that our problem goes one way, he goes the other, what happens to Yitzhak's life? His life is altered. Similarly, in this moment, through this whole process, with all this death stuff, uh, Moshe is going through a significant change, and that's the Mipne. Yeah, and
2: Moshe is most often compared to, amongst the patriarchs, Yosef, right? Being in the pharaoh's household and being a redeemer and a savior, and if I go back to my own Rosh Hashanah sermon, um, self-referentially, a mashbir, a one who provides, here there's an, there is an inevitable association, an inexorable association between Moshe and Yitzchak. Right, and what wouldn't have taken place had the execution actually gone through in the moment that Pharaoh requested that it happen? Right, um, Vered, uh, Norm, Marshall, Diane, Larry, and then we, there's one more phrase in the rush that we haven't uh, dealt with yet. But let's hear some thoughts. Okay. Vered, Vakasha. Okay, Shomi otach? Vered. Do people hear Barrett? I see that she's unmuted, but I can't hear her. Are you all hearing her? No? She's away from her computer. This she's moment. away
1: from the computer, yeah.
2: Yeah. I... Okay. okay. Then let's go to Marshall.
5: Uh, I just wanted to go back to the Datan Aviram Ram thing for a second, the first part of the Rashi. The Shemot Rabbah basically says, "Amdu Datan Avi Ram Heel Shinu Alav. And I'm very interested in the first word, Chambdu. Um, this was not a passive thing with them. They actually had to stand up, and then they went ahead, and they they were malshinim upon Moses. Yeah. So it seems to me they said, aha, we know Moses. How are you going to feel about us when we ally ourselves with Korah? So in response to the way you're going to treat us then, here's what we're going to do to you now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right, it's either like either pre-pay you back for what you're going to do to us then, or pre-earn the, the punishment we're going to get. Right? It's w- 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 one way depending on who has the ruach hakodesh here. Right, Diane, Larry. I only want the reason why yeah. that happens, folks, is sometimes when people are about to speak, I unmute and the speaker unmutes at the same time, and that and uh, an unmute plus an unmute equals a mute. Sorry, Larry. So you,
3: you mentioned that Rashi wants us to think about. Um, the Akedah. Uh, that's fine. But the text itself wants us to think about other things. And I know I'm jumping slightly ahead, but uh, behind and ahead, the Yavrach was the fleeing. And I'm thinking of Jacob fleeing from Esau. And the, Habe, the, 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 the well, Habe'er, is making me think of all the different wells. There's the first well where the servant of Abraham encounters um, Rivka then there's the well where Jacob uh, encounters the family of Levon of his of, of his his family there's the wells that, that Isaac I forget who Doug um, that we read about just uh, a
2: Isaac re-digs up. the wells of Abraham
3: right so the well wants us to think about these wells and even though they're different places they're all the same well I don't I can't I'm not going to go on from there but there's a midrash there if it hasn't already been written someone needs to write it
2: right well, it's almost like you're suggesting, again, I want to put words in your mouth, but what you're saying evokes for me is that the well is less a specific well than the platonic notion of well, right? And and, and all that well has meant in Reshid. And Norm said something cute before, but Rashi's going to go in a similar direction without giving away much of the story, which is, in addition, beyond the... The, the the arguments that happen over wells in Rashid, The other thing that happens at wells are shiduchim. Marriages happen at wells, right? So yeah. the well might be asking the reader to think that that very type of well, where there are going to be shepherds and maiden and marriages, right? Great. Uh, so oh, the okay. platonic well. Um, yes, Diane, please.
0: Yeah. So this is sort of a broad philosophical issue. I, I'm not quite sure what to make of it, but if we start to look at the Akedah where um, um, Yitzchak's life was, so to speak, hanging by a thread and in this place where Moshe's life was hanging by a thread and then a few verses later, the same thing. And, and so the, the fate of the Jewish people or the Hebrews or whatever seems to hinge on I don't know if we want to look at it as fate or God's hand in history or I don't know what what is the kind of the Jewish view of of uh I, I know this is probably a broader question for a long discussion but of the the hand that fate plays in all of this
2: yeah so it, it is a very broad and um important question um the the as far down as the on the road I'll go right now, it's to say that one of the things that we've seen Rashi do for chapter after chapter after chapter is to impose a divine order upon what seems to just be natural and organic interactions between people, right? Which is a version of fate. It's this notion of of things happening within a system that is beyond our ken, but it's still a system, right? That that wonderful rabbinic dictum in and Hakol Safui. Everything is foreseen, but you still have the right in the moment to act the way you choose to act. So free will is not surrendered. But just so you know, your free will is happening within a system which already is somehow designed by the Holy One. Um, So there's obviously many more things that can be said about that. There are dissertations that can be written on that. But I, I do think that Rashi wants us to, because of the way the Midrash thought about it, Link things that are not obviously linked and imagine a divine through line through all of these encounters. Right. I think think how many times a Rashi attributed when Yosef was up or down or down or up to divine intent there, which is a version of of, of the fate that that Yosef was destined to live, whether or not he knew it was happening in real time. Um, Sue, and then I want to deal with the last line of that Rashi.
1: Okay. I was waiting for you to unmute me. <laughs> so we wouldn't hit the button together. <laughs> um
2: whatever have... decision I make, I make the wrong decision for each person. <laughs> People I assume will unmute themselves. I don't unmute and blah 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 Go ahead.
1: Um I like Diane's bit about the wells. Um even for an and I'm you know it, it it's kind of the obvious, but um, the, the wells are also part, they're kind of part of God's miracle to the, the the Israelites, starting with Abraham, that Abraham seemed to be the only one who could find all the wells, dig all the wells, leave all the wells to Yaakov, and, and those wells propelled the story forward. And not only that, but, you know... Even today, we metaphorically talk about the wells. The, the, the wells themselves are like the presence of God in the desert, um, it, the, the sustaining and the, the without which nothing goes forward. And we even now we talk about the wells of, of um, you know, wells in relationship to God and sustenance,
2: I think. Right, and, and midrashically, who is the source of the well that is going to sustain the people in the desert when Moshe's leading them?
1: God.
2: Uh, no. <laughs> all, it's always God, but God and who? Miriam. Miriam, right? So Miriam is the water giver. When Miriam dies, the well dries up, right? So, um, you know, Haber could also be, you know, pre-invoking Miriam into this, into this scene as well because Miriam is certainly going to be associated later with the Israelites being able to draw water throughout their entire time, right? So you know, about the water.
1: There's, there's also been a nod here to, or we've nodded anyway to when, when God, you know, asks for Moshe's Mavet. And, um, you know, we always relate that to the problem of the water and the rock and the and the, missing, the missing well, essentially, because he's hitting the rock for the water. There's some yeah. like thread here.
2: That's great. Yeah, my mind went to Miriam, but not to Moshe's upcoming um, complex interactions with water sources. Right. Great. A lot going on, and, and maybe all of that reinforces why it's haber and not bare. Mm-hmm. Thank you, and Dan for pointing that out. Um, Norm, if you're still, I know you, you you read it, but I don't know if we dealt with the proof text. Rashi gives a proof text, or it's not really a proof text. It's more like a um, he uses this midrash to resolve a upcoming issue or problem in Parshat Yitro. So he has here a, um, uh, where am I? Hushan Amar. And that kind of, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase Rashi. That's, that is what explains what Moshe says where chapter 18, verse 4. Okay, so everyone turn ahead to chapter 18, verse 4 of um, Mot. It's in Parshat Yitro, the first few verses of Parshat Yitro. Long and there's a really strange phrase um, when um, Yitro is being informed by Moshe of well, all that's happened in the Exodus story, right? Parsha Yitro is about the reunion between Moshe and Yitro. So if you actually pull back, it's on page Resh Kaf Chet in our books. If you go back to verse 3, actually, Viet Shnei Baneha us two sons come also. Asher shame ha'achad Gershom. One of them is named Gershom, Kiamar, because he had said, I was a stranger in a strange land. The Eliezer. The name of my second son, Yitro, is being introduced to his grandson. Is Eliezer? Excuse me. Why is Moshe's second son called Eliezer? Ki Elohe avi b'ezri, the God of my father, my ancestor, was my help, was, was there to help me. When? Vayat and God saved me, mecherev paro, from Pharaoh's sword. So when we learn the name of Moshe's second son, we believe Eli Eliezer, God help. It's, it's, it's Moshe's homage to God's having been a saving power in his life. Without comparing it to our verse in the early part of Shmod, without the Midrash, this is symbolic. This is metaphorical. I, you know, I, was, I was in the palace trying to request the freedom for the Israelites, and any time that Moshe, that God, that Pharaoh would have wanted to kill me, he could have. But it's not, it's not specific. But now we have a specificity to which to attach this. And look what Rashi says there. I'll just read this for time's sake. Rashi basically refers himself. Shegilu datan b'abiram. This is when datan b'aviram uncovered, revealed al davar on davar. Larry, davar on that thing regarding the Egyptian uvi He lo- he in a wonderful way. He actually quotes the verb from the Torah about which we're 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 asking right now, and he requested laharog at Moshe to kill Moshe, which we're now supposed to understand as he actually made this specific request off of his head. Now, in this version of the Midrash, the Rashi does not quote an R verse. It's definitely not circumstantial or happenstance. It's miraculous that Moshe's neck became like a pillar of Shayish. one know what Shayish is? Marble. Marble, right? So in, in this version of the Midrash, what happens is that the execution, the Kostinar was coming down with the, you know, uh, ancient guillotine, and in the moment of content, right? It's not just that it, that he got him just before the, the the knife came down. The knife came down. The neck turns into marble. That's how close. That's how close Moshe was to being off. And in that moment, God saved me from Pharaoh's sword. You know, the same. God, go ahead. Yes.
1: The same thing happened with Asaph and and Jacob's neck and yes. the kissing and the biting and the whole thing.
2: Yes. Right. So. The rabbis love to imagine necks turning into things that cannot be penetrated when there is um a, a cherub or teeth right that's anvaishakehu um the, uh, when uh, Yaakov and Esav remeet and there's dots over Kehu means he kissed him mm, it wasn't that kissed him he bit him and Yaakov's um Yaakov's necks uh was was turned to impenetrable toba sorry
0: um It's just interesting that this uh, direction actually brings us back to the, uh, I think it was Barry's uh, comparison to Jonah, um, because it seems to be saying that one of the reasons he wasn't just fleeing for his life, he was fleeing from from being the savior of this unworthy people of Malchinin. So it's very much the same thing as we see with Jonah.
2: Great. Jonah was concerned that the people he was going to be asked didn't deserve it. They didn't didn't deserve deserve it. it. And he'd rather die than give expiation for people who hadn't done shuva. Yeah, Yeah, yes, great stiff neck jokes. Terrific. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, Okay. We have gotten ourselves uh, two thirds of the way through a single rashi. No, not even two. There's one half the way through a rashi today. Um, And it's 929. So when we meet next time, um, we'll deal with the Vayesha Vayeshev. Those, those doubling of verbs that are the exact same in Hebrew, rendered into the exact same Aramaic, uh, translated probably differently than most of our translations. Maybe next week we'll start with looking at several different translations of that in our book and then see how Rashid serves to differentiate between those two. Um, last comment. Anyone want to have a last comment before we close the class? Next week, um, assuming it's not too hot, I'll be teaching from my sukkah. If you are blessed to be able to have a sukkah, I encourage you to be learning from your sukkah, um, and it's great to be back.
0: You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.